This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. And I still don't know what that is. Our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make the show each week. A huge welcome on that score to Daniel Dewey, who's joined our Bobby Stokes tier in the last week. Thanks, Daniel. We appreciate your support. A huge thanks also to Pitta Self-Drive for sponsoring this episode. Pitta Self-Drive are a homegrown Southampton business who's been trading since 1985, and they're also lifelong Saints fans. You may have seen their name around St. Mary's as they currently advertise on the big screens and do loads to support the Saints Foundation. They offer cars, vans, trucks, and minibus hire at very reasonable prices. They're flexible on short-term or long-term rental needs, always available to help and operate a 24-hour drop-off service. They're offering TSP listeners 10% off your rental with the code TOTALSAINTS, which is all one word. You can use the code when booking online or just quote the code you're booking over the phone. To find more or get in touch, head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or call 02380-474-443. If you've missed any of the information, it's all in the podcast show notes and YouTube description. Coming up this week on the podcast, uh, reviews of the first three festive fi- fixtures that we've had, which are Queen's Park Rangers away and home games against Swansea and Plymouth Argyle. Spoiler alert, we won all of them. Also, a preview of the fourth one, a New Year's Day game at Carrow Road against Norwich City. For that, we'll be joined by Connor Southwell of the Pinken. After that, we'll have a brief look at the FA Cup third round home game against Walsall. Uh, it says on the script that my name is Martin Stark, but it isn't. Martin's not here today and we couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so you stuck with me. Uh, my name is Glenn Delacour, and like the linesman against Plymouth, I'll be making a lot more mistakes than Martin ever does. Um, <laughs> and today is a special TSP for the new year because I won't be waffling any long answers. I'll be leaving that to Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web in particular, and uh, and Alfie House, the uh, senior Southampton reporter for the Daily Echo. Underpinned by TSP patrons, this is episode 257 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. 
From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. First up, the weekly shout out for our Patreon community whose monthly contributions support the show. We have four tiers ranging from five quid to 20 quid per month. Aside from supporting the podcast, each of these tiers has perks like access to an ad-free version of the podcast, exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles, the TSP Fantasy Premier League, um, which I'm doing very, very well in at the moment, if anyone wants to check it out, and access to our TSP events and much more. If you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month, head over to patreon.com slash Total Saints Podcast for more details. All the links are in the podcast show notes and YouTube descriptions. Right, football. Martin triggers my OCD every week if we have two games by not going chronologically. So um, to start with, uh, we're going to cast our minds back to the game that was many days and much alcohol ago. So game number one, Queen's Park Rangers at Loftus Road. Uh, 1-0 win secured by Taylor Harwood-Bellis uh, from a set piece with a restricted view for most people. So Steve, I know you were there. How was the ludicrously expensive trip? And uh, could you see anything? And was it worth the money? Uh, it was fine for me. I haven't been to Loftus Road quite a few times now. Um, you kind of get used to what whereabouts in that away end is is half decent to see anything and where isn't. So basically, if you want prime seat, then up upper tier front couple of rows or basically anywhere in the lower tier is your best bet. So I, I went for the much cheaper lower tier, only £31. What a bargain that was, by the way, rather than the 38 quid that people had to, had to fork out in the upper tier, which is frankly absolutely outrageous but no it was it was good we were it was weird the the first half was a little bit end-to-end without either side really creating anything of any of any yeah. note it was just one one of those games where um QPR had a little bit of energy and kind of channeled it all through their best player Elias chair uh yeah. down the left down the left flank and in fairness to him we basically couldn't get the ball off him all afternoon and fair, so, yeah, fair play to him for that. But fortunately, final ball, whether it's from him or um, or any of the other QPR sort of wide players, uh, wasn't great. Partially, probably because Lyndon Dykes was doing his best best impression of a statue and wasn't really uh, moving too much. Um, Absolute to donkey. On the end of anything. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't great. And... Um, and also, we I think we defended we defended that final third pretty well as we as we kind of have been doing recently. We seem to have learned learned what we need to do on that front. Although I will still continue banging the drum of stop the cross until I'm blue in the face. But yeah, yeah that I think that was probably the only frustration that we actually let them put those crosses in because arguably a better side would have had somebody getting it, getting themselves on the end of them, and then we could have been a little spot of bother. But get the goal right on half time. Howard Bellis with the freedom of the QPR six yard box. Quite how how we end up with that much room. I mean, I guess QPR's league position probably probably tells you the answer to that, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I'll t- I tell you what. I when I, when I saw that goal, if, if you watch all the replays, the defender that's supposed to be marking him somehow ends up on the deck, and he's about he's ten yards but, away, isn't he? Yeah. But I haven't se- I haven't seen a TV angle that proves anything, whether he slipped or whether Howard Bellis threw him over or whatever. I just, yeah, Not I just and there, there weren't any appeals either from it, from any defenders. So I don't no. know if the, the guy who was supposed to be tracking him just, just slipped. But yeah, he, he ends, ends up with so much room and um, he kind of almost did well to nearly miss. 
um, from the position he was in. From I mean, from where from where I was stood, it it looked as if he completely shanked it, but it's only on replays where actually he's, he's caught it quite nicely and it's gone right in the corner. Second half, what I think what what pleased most of us the most was that we kept on attacking and trying to score the second goal. We didn't yeah. just sit sit in on the lead where a side like QPR, much like Huddersfield, when you know that there's only probably one or two avenues where they can score, if you sit in, then you run the risk of them being able to a little bit of luck, a little bit of luck, maybe a little bit of um, of quality play, and all of a sudden they find a goal from somewhere, and um, and you you then kind of scrapping to keep hold of the game. But um, we didn't do that. We were we were still positive, looking to, I mean, like, still largely hitting them on the counter attack. I th- I thought for the most part, but yeah, uh, we looked a lot more effective. We should have won by more, really. Shay Adams has has missed one absolute absolute stinker. Having having done the hard work in chase, <laughs> yeah. chasing the chasing the defenders clearance down, down yeah. gets himself in on goal, and I mean he's got basically the whole goal to aim at, and decides that flicking the ball with the outside of his right foot uh, to try and lob Asmir Begovic, who's about six foot eight was the was the best move it's like mm, just decision making in, in that final in that final um final moment is basically why Shea Adams is kind of the player he is in that he's probably too good for this level but not enough not good enough for the um for the level above so yeah that was that was that was the frustrating thing that we didn't take those couple of clear cut chances Shea Charles had another one slightly earlier i think set up by Fraser where ultimately Begovic has probably had a fit, relatively simple save by his standards to make. I'd have liked Shea Charles to probably hit it in the near post because I think the keeper's probably then wrong-footed. Uh, but that's maybe picking picking hairs on a uh, for a guy who's... Yeah, I mean, to um, be fair to Shea not, Charles, he's, he's yeah, not he's, a goal he's scorer, gonna, is he? Yeah, he's not one you're going to pick nah. to score goals regularly. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but then he, he obviously then went and got himself sent off to... Proper take one for the team. Yellows. Those. Those were the first. The first one. I. I don't mind. Um, the the area that's in. It's. It's in a. They're moving into a dangerous area. Um, but the second. The second one. I just kind of think. Just let him run. It's literally on the edge of their area. Um, so you've got another eighty-five yards. Eighty-five, ninety yards to run into. There was. There was no real danger there. It. It just felt unnecessary, really. But it's. It's instinct, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if anything, funnily enough, I thought the other way round. I thought the the first yellow card, he was running into Bednarek, um, you know, the, whoever it was that he, he impeded. But yeah, the, the second one was interesting. I was, was going to say, Alfie, it, it, it strikes me in this league that you can you can get away with some tactical fouls um, if you're a little bit subtle about it. <laughs> does, does Shea Charles need to work on that a little bit? Because um, the clothes line across the throat, you're not yeah, going to get yeah. away with that. I think he, he got away with one yesterday, I think. Um to be fair, but I think they said that the lads actually applauded him in the dressing room at full time, which I think is you know, maybe a little bit of an over sort of overzealous reaction. But at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do at the time. I, I actually agree with you. I think that the first one felt a little bit pointless. I thought the Jan Bennett was going to come across to his left and cover that one. And the second one looked a little more dangerous, but I suppose you can see it differently. But I mean, it feels weird um, talking about the QPR game, which was what, like seven days ago. And um, I'm sort of yeah. operating on a on a one day brain basis at the moment where I'm sort of receiving information <laughs> and discarding it by next, you know, 9am next morning. Um, but I thought it was, yeah, but it was so important to get that win, wasn't it? Because obviously it was sold out away and people have paid a lot of money to be there. Um, and the last game before Christmas, and I think it was the second of three clean sheets in a row as well. I saw a comment I wanted to actually just like, mention if I could, because somebody, like Ryan put in the chat saying Colin Calder was been a massive factor in our improved defensive performances. And I asked Russell Martin about that. And obviously it's, um, it's not a coincidence completely. He came in at a time when, 
uh, those sort of performances starting to improve. But Russell did say that he's actually not doing like five days a week. He's still sort of assessing some of it from afar. He isn't really getting much training ground time with the players as of about a week or two ago. Uh, he's most sort of advising the staff on a few things. Um, but he is there now to sort of help take over on set pieces as well since um, Andreas George is in. So I think you have to give him credit for, for what he's done. But um, I think it is a little bit reductionist to sort of give uh, Colin all of the praise. But yeah, sure, welcome addition. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the defence tightened up a little bit. It was um, it was unfortunate that James Bree got injured, but I think mm. it helped a little bit with Kyle switching over to Ilias Chair's side. He seemed to shut him down a little bit. But uh, no, I thought that win was massively important for the... Um, but the fact that we was it drawn three away games in a row, and it was it might well have it, been, yeah. you know it was it was nice to get over the line yeah. in one. Anyway, moving on, game number two, Boxing Day at St Mary's against Swansea in the uh, the Russell Martin Derby, or as it's alternatively known, the Petty Compensation Argument Derby. <laughs> um, it's a big game for me personally because my sister is married to a Swansea fan, um, who I saw of course over Christmas. So uh, I thought this would, uh, for all sorts of reasons, be a, a sods law game to lose. And um, thankfully, I was wrong. Alfie, how was Russell Martin in the build-up to this one and interviews that you did with him? Any different to any other game or or was he able to put all that aside? Well, I think obviously with you know with his words exactly, he says it's exactly the same. You want to win every single game. But I think like we all know now that Russell is somebody who like wears his heart on his sleeve and he is... You know, an emotional manager at times, and I think that he, he has a real connection with Swansea. I think he actually got a, a good reception from them um, at the game as well. To be fair, but he made a couple of um, couple of jibes to the owners in sort of pre-match press conferences and stuff because you know he kept saying like the thing, you know, the same things keep happening over and over again, all this sort of thing. And he was really um, sort of defensive of Alan Sheehan, the, the coach, obviously Nathan Jones's former assistant, who who was absolutely dejected at full time when we spoke to him. I've never seen a man look so defeated. Two terrible Boxing Days in a row at St Mary's for him. And um, you cast your mind back to. Lou and four ones of Brighton last year, whoever it was. Um, but so I think Russell feels for the Swansea fans massively. I think they're they're in a bit of a state at the moment, and um, that became increasingly apparent in the last sort of 20, 25 minutes of that game where they just completely combusted. Um, I thought they actually they were okay in the first half. You know, they, they limited Saints to relatively little, um, but they yeah. just exploded at the end. Yeah, I mean it was it was kind of similar to the Blackburn game in that they had they had a bit of adversity and then totally fell to bits. This time it was the air shot. As with Blackburn, of course, it was the it was the sending off. I mean, do you think it was? Um, do you think the five nil sort of flattered us at all, Alfie, or, or was that? You know, is is that something we are more likely to do now, given that we are trying to put teams? You know, are we trying to put teams to the sword a little bit more and not just manage the uh, manage the game? I think that's uh, when I was speaking to a couple of people after the game. I think some people said that they felt Blackburn was a better performance overall. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it flattered Saints because I think it's been coming. You know, I think. Russell Martin even mentioned the Rotherham game again after um, after Swansea. He'll never let it go, um, I'm pretty sure. But they have done that to teams where they've just sort of taken them side to side and torn them apart and not got the result. It just now seems like things are going in. Joe Rebo was like a little bit lucky with the opening goal, um, right? But uh, I'm trying to be cast my mind back. There's so many goals now. I'm just going to flip over to who actually scored them. It's Ryan Fraser I want to talk about because the impact that Ryan Fraser made against QPR was fantastic. Didn't get the sort of the end product, but his two finishes are unbelievable. I suppose you could say that on yeah. any other any other Saturday they don't go in. Both of them either hit the bar or they ping off a defender or something. They did they did both go in the top corner. So I suppose you could say that's a little bit a little, a little bit lucky, but at the end of the day he's put it in the top corner. The way, so. Especially the way he was finished he didn't finish anything, mm. any of those chances against Cardiff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because he must have had about seven or eight shots in that game <laughs> in the last twenty minutes. And uh yeah, couldn't hit anything other than the goalkeeper. But uh yeah, Steve, we we had um and a bit of a strange selection uh, when the 11 names were announced. We were looking at 
Jack Stevens and Harwood Bellis and Bednarek were thinking, oh, are we going to go three at the back? In the warm-up, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be a back four with Kyle somewhere else. Do you think that that worked? Or, you know, is that, is that, attack, is that something we're going to see going forward, Jack Stevens at right back? Or do you, do you think it's just, um, you know, whilst we're trying to manage this workload, it was something that happened? Um, I think it's part. It's partially workload management, partially also that I think Russell Martin just wanted to get Stevens in the side somehow, and he's kind of shoehorned him in a, to a, to a little bit of an extent, I think. And you got Walker Peters playing sort of quite high on the on the on the right hand side. I mean, did it work? I mean, the result would say yes, but I think the performance in the first forty five fifty minutes. Um, Swansea were comfortably in the game, whereas once once we started making changes, all of a sudden the game opens up and we we look a lot more fluid. Whether that is down to Swansea collapsing and falling in the heap, um, it's probably a little bit of that. But also, I think Walker Peters, while he can obviously play as a as a sort of advanced wide player, I don't think quite like where he ended up in that Swansea game. I don't think that's quite where. Um, where he would have envisaged when when you say oh I'm an I'm an attacking fullback um, yeah okay let's let's stick you up at um, as one of the front three then uh, see how that goes it doesn't I think it kind of nullifies part of what makes him so good in that it's the it's the late runs from deep where he builds up a bit of momentum and that yeah. it's that momentum that takes him past um, past fullbacks whereas. When he's starting alongside them, he's got to generate the pace from from the beginning. And while he's he's a quick player, he's not. I wouldn't say he's an explosive starter. He's one of those whose pace builds up as he's as he's running. And so I think you kind of lose. Unlike say Samadozi, who can beat a man and and has got that three five yard part, um, pace. I don't think uh, Walker Peters has quite got the same impact. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I would I would imagine that was. I mean, obviously we've we've seen it. Again, I mean, Stevens has obviously come in the same same role again as a sub on um, on Friday night, and and done the same role. But it's I think I think that's probably a kind of a setup that will that will be used very sparingly, if at all. Yeah, I do think we just have to quickly shout um, Joe Rebo in those sort of first two games, and, and Sam Adozi as well, a hundred percent. I mean, um, we we do talk about them quite a lot, but I think they're both just genuinely unbelievable, and they just offer as much energy. And Joe Rebo looks like a completely changed man. He does absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was I was going to ask Steve actually to expand on Sam Adozi because to me he's he's added quite a lot in the last sort of three four games mm-hmm. since he's come back into the team. And you know there was criticism of, of him at the start of the season that he didn't have enough, or you know from last year that he didn't have any end product. And if you compare him to Sulemana, for example, it seems to me there's a there's a hell of a lot more there. And um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with him. Yeah, Joe Arrivo, you mentioned. Um, it, there seems to be a place up for grabs in the midfield next to, you know, Downs and Stuart Armstrong when they're fit. And it, we've tried Smallbone there, Shay Charles there, Charlie Alcaraz there. Joe Arrivo's there at the moment. He's off to the AFCON. And yeah. we, Nigeria haven't named their, their, you know, he's in the big squad. They haven't mm. cut it down to the 27 names, I think it is. How big a blow is this to him in regards to how he's doing? Uh, I mean, he obviously wants to go and play for Nigeria, so he, he personally probably won't see it as a blow. But having basically after a year got himself into the team, how big a blow is it for, for him and us? 
Alfie? Well, I mean, the fact that you're asking how big a blow is it for Southampton, I think, is real testament to, <laughs> to what he's done. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, it's a good point, actually, isn't it? Because, like I say, he's worked so hard to get back into the team. Russell Martin's always said that he trains brilliantly. He's a fantastic bloke. He's finally got his chance and he's taken it. He's you know putting in back-to-back solid performances. He looks quicker. He looks... Um, to an extent, sharper, um, sort of more mm. alert. He looks more aware of what's going on. The, the game isn't moving by him anymore. But he's going to be gone for what's going to be on for two, three match weeks potentially at least. Um, he should be available for Monday, um, but he will be gone after that, I imagine. So we'll miss Warsaw and we'll miss yeah. the, the two, two or three championship games after that. I think, I mean, yeah, Nigeria are going to get out of their group yeah. as well. It, yeah. it doesn't look particularly difficult for them, so they're they're going to go sort of deep into the tournament. Mm. And the, I suppose he's it's going the, at a good time. It's an expanded tournament, isn't it? How many teams are it nowadays? 24. 24 so that's basically much like the European one. It's basically half half yeah. the continent. So yeah, yeah there's going to be going to be some guff in there, I suspect. He'll be leaving with goodwill. That's something to say. He'll be leaving with a lot of confidence. And when he comes back, he like you know he he won't have gone off the back of a stinker or anything like that. Well, touch wood. Obviously, we haven't been to Norwich yet. Um, so he, he might find his way back in. But the options at the moment are like say Will Smallbone, Charlie Alcaraz did play in a slightly deeper role um, yesterday, yeah. wherever it was. Um, so that would be probably one to look at. And it, you know, maybe they'll bring somebody in, in January. So I don't expect that to happen, if I'm being completely honest. So I think the place is still up for grabs, but it's up to Will Smallbone or someone like that to, to make it theirs. But um, I, I think that Russell really likes Joe Rebo, and I, I think he does. So I think he'll probably come back in. Yeah, because if the AFCON had been three months ago, no one would have cared, would they? Mm-hmm. Everyone would have just wondered what on earth he was doing to get in the um, in the Nigeria squad. But mm-hmm. uh, also, I think I see, Nathan uh, in the squad. Nathan Teller's in on the long list, and so, long list, is, yeah. so is Tall Paul. Oh, there you go. To Paul, to Paul, well, Nathan, Nathan Teller will probably find another country to defect to just before he becomes useful. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm still bitter about that. Um, finally, on Joe Aribo, um, Steve, as a big cricket fan, are you happy about the uh, personalised goal music, which is a uh, very T20 cricket style that we're Whoa. getting? Um, Spando Ballet are not a band from the 80s that I want to be reminded of. But if Joe Aribo scores 20 goals between now and the end of the season, then... Uh, and happy days. What'd you make of that? <laughs> um, that was different, wasn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm surely the dubious goals panel was looking at that goal anyway, given the the two deflections, one of which was going wide anyway, um, just to be all sort of proper killjoy about it. <laughs> um, but no, I, look, I mean, if they can, if the fans can come up with enough songs about all of the other players, because yeah. I mean, it's only until very recently that basically. The only songs about players have been play have been the players that most of us don't really rate very very highly. So having some songs about our better players would be nice, given that they're obviously going to be the ones <laughs> likely to be scoring likely to be scoring most of the goals for us. And then you could tailor tailor the goal music to the player. We've had Chase score, haven't we? We've had Chase score a couple, and we've not had uh, Love Will Tear You Apart. So obviously the DJs dropped the ball on that one. In my opinion. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean they. They've obviously got to, got to get their get their acting order in the in the sound room, haven't they? That's that's the long and short of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, moving on. Last night, as I speak, uh, we played Plymouth Argyle at St Mary's with a stupid six o'clock kickoff time. Mm. So um, everyone could arrive in a bad mood, uh, those who managed to get there. Bad enough for the home fans, but a salute from me to the Argyle fans who made the trip in yeah. very big numbers. When you when you look at how many were came down from Blackburn, for example, before Christmas. Yeah, the, I, w- I was surprised at the sheer volume of uh, Plymouth fans in the ground. Steve ended up being a lot more nervy than it should have been. But apart from the 10 minutes before they scored, it was probably a decent performance against the team, as their manager admitted, were just there not to get battered, really. Yeah, I mean, frankly, we did batter them, didn't we, Uh, for the most part? First 20 minutes could easily have been two or three up. Um, Adams narrowly offside inside the first five minutes. Hit the post. Keepers made a couple couple of decent saves. Bodies on the line from the Plymouth defenders. And their out ball has been the counter-attack, which in fairness, they they almost exploited um, pretty well in that first half when we basically committed too many, too many forward a couple of times. Um, it was noticeable actually from about half an hour, half an hour up until half time that we were trying to force things. We'd obviously been frustrated by not, not scoring when we were playing fluidly in the first 20, 25 minutes. And from 30 to 45, we were, yeah, forcing it a little bit, trying to play the killer pass too soon. When kind of the whole premise of um, of this system is patience. Um, so if you have to play side to side between Harwood Bellis and Bednarek before the pass through the line into midfield becomes available, so be it. Do it. Don't worry about what. Don't worry about any outside noise. And in fairness, um, in the first half, there and now there there is no kind of outside noise from from no. the fans when. Even at nil nil against against a team that we should be beating on paper, um, there isn't that sort of impatient "come on, get it forward" um, type anxiety in the stands anymore, which is which is good. Shows that fans are learning and and everyone's everyone's kind of on the same page now. It only kind of got, as you say, only got a little bit nervy in the last five ten yeah. minutes. Really, they kept playing the ball back to Gavin. Russell was well, fuming about it when he was speaking. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and understandably so. I mean, it's it's all well and good keeping possession and um, running the clock down, but actually, you could Plymouth mm. were there to be got at as we as we showed for the for the vast majority of that game. We we cut cut yeah. through them time after time. And it was only um, I mean their keeper was almost certainly their man in the match. Um, I mean, didn't, don't think he particularly covered himself in glory with his with basically non his non effort for the second goal. But other, other than that, it. Um, Hazard was there. He was their best player, I thought. So, yeah, the the chances the chances were created. They they weren't taken. But I didn't I didn't really see why that necessitated us changing and slowing the game down and and going backwards all the time in that that last sort of five five minutes of normal time plus the eight added. Um, because you then just inv- invite them on, and Bazuna's taken taken a heavy, an unusually heavy touch for him, and just hasn't quite got his feet sorted. And yeah. so in fairness to Hard, he's he's quick on it and yeah. and in, and gets in there at the right time. And the the only concern really is that the sort of eight minutes or so after that, we looked rattled um, for the first yeah. time in weeks, and it was so unnecessary. Just 
kind of go go back to what you go back to what you you used to go back to what you know and what you've shown has worked and there shouldn't be any problems we've pro- we've proven that against basically everyone we've come up against in in the last two or three months um i just hope that when we go to norwich that is kind of out of everybody's mind and everything yeah. resets and right okay we're back to normal um it was noticeable actually that at full time Bazunu was still getting his name chanted which was good um so there was no um sort of repercussions from the fan base for him which you certainly wouldn't have seen this time last year Very so true. yeah i think ultimately we even though we absolutely battered them we still kind of got away with that last 10 minutes or so but yeah fine you move on take three yeah. get on with it alfie I, I kind of felt that we were a bit complacent at times in this game I kind of feel like it's inevitable a little bit if you won or oh, not yeah. lost for 17 games that that is is a danger. Would you say that's sort of like the biggest danger we face in the in the home games in particular against teams that just want to sit and wait for a mistake? Yeah, maybe obviously come off the back of two really really heavy wins as well. And like you say, seventeen matches unbeaten is two off the club's um, the club's longest unbeaten run in its one hundred and thirty seven year history, which was back in nineteen twenty one and twenty two. So you know it, it's no mean feat what they've done. I think you you sort of excuse them, and I think. Steve actually mentioned what I was going to say about Gavin Bazunu. Um, yes, he's he's taken a bad touch and he's panicked. But when he's got back to get his bottle and his towel um, full time, people are chanting his name. So I think it's yeah, it's sort of time. that that level of you know it's not complacency, but you know a mistake or something like that isn't um, isn't punished by fans at this point. The atmosphere is really good. Um, yeah, it is noticeable, isn't it, that the teams that come and sit back and play whatever you want to call it a low block, eight men behind the ball, whatever it is, they are the ones that you know Saints find it difficult to break down because um, to to Blackburn. Uh, to their credit, and to Swansea as well, they actually both teams tried to play and ended up getting torn apart for it. And like you sort of alluded yeah. to, didn't you, that um, Neil Juicenip, the interim boss at Plymouth, he'd, he'd said that he'd watched those two games and he decided very quickly that you know we weren't going to come to St Mary's and try and play. Um, so that is a challenge the Saints face. And um, but they are they are getting over the line, aren't they? They're, they're doing it, and they're, they're we haven't even mentioned the fact, by the way, that um, Leeds and Ipswich both dropped points yesterday. So it's now what is yeah, it, no. three points, three points off the top two, something like that. Uh, six yeah, points clear of Leeds along those lines. It's been a really good sort of like yeah. period of results for um, for that. I mean, I, I always go on about not worrying too much about the league table, just look mm. after ourselves. But you can't help but be pleased when um, when Leeds get beat. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's breathed real belief. Well, yeah, true, yeah. Uh, it's breathed real belief in because I actually I tweeted about it yesterday. It's so a little bit corny, cheese, whatever. But I do genuinely think that St Mary's right now is the atmosphere is so good, and I think there there'll always be a few. But I think the vast majority of people are very much on board with what this team is trying to do now. I think they really believe in the manager. They believe in the players. They've got players like Carl Peters who are just so exciting to watch, so much fun, and you know, obviously we hope that he's here until you know the years more to come and at least in the season obviously so i think that they can afford a bit of complacency now if they have a bad result i don't think the world's going to fall apart you know they they, they might drop four points five points behind um but i don't think the, i don't think the the momentum is going to stop immediately whatever happens at norwich for example no i mean we you know we are we're obviously well you would think we're not going to go the rest of the season unbeaten we are going to lose at some point mm-hmm. and that you know people have just got to react in the in the right way and take into account that we you know we have had this run and there's no reason why we sort of like can't pick it up again should we get a bad result but uh, back to the game steve i was going to keep these two in- these two incidents separate but i can't really it's the the disallowed goal for plymouth and the superb goal by charlie alcaraz who he kind of came into the team as a as a rotation option because of the the you know they 
Martin decided to Russell Martin decided to leave Joe Rebo and um, and Flynn Downs out. Alcaraz scored that goal, but what did what did you make of the the whole sort of like incident with the uh, with the disallowed goal and then um, straight out the other end? I mean, it's it was something that that was kind of observed in the first year of of VAR in the Premier League was that teams that would suffer of VAR disappointment, so they got like they score a goal and the goal gets overturned. Uh, on review, that within minutes, so many of them would then concede at the other yeah. end. And I think you've kind of seen a similar sort of scenario here. Obviously, it's not a video review by any stretch, but the fact that they've had that goal chalked off, having basically offered nothing going forward, they've, yeah. they've, it was at that, at, at that moment, the ball hit the back of the net. That was the perfect smash and grab away performance um, on their part. And then they look over and the linesman's flags up. And mm. as it turns out, incorrectly. It was it was interesting because from where I was stood in block 40 behind the goal, um, you looked and you thought, well, I mean, how is he, how is he offside there? Considering where the cross has come in. Um, it's only when you see on the replay that actually the, um, is it Mam- Mamba? The, Mamba, um, yeah. Mamba, sorry. Mamba, yeah. um, who was the was their best player against us in the, in the reverse game as well. And... He's where he's actually stood. He's actually stood offside just before the cross comes in. And he does that thing of stepping back to get on side at the right time. But I think because ultimately a linesman can't be looking in two different places at once. So he's the linesman's had a little view of of him being offside. Mm -hmm. And then he's glancing at his sort of 11 o'clock to see the see the moment the ball, the ball gets put across. So I think in the linesman's mind, he thinks that's the correct decision. Hmm. Um, so you can kind You've of also got the crosser right. cutting back across Ryan Manning as well. So he goes like right up to the byline and cuts back across before the ball comes in. So the actual yeah. the, the the line of offside comes back as well. So all of those factors yeah. playing in the linesman's mind. Yeah, and and obviously the, there's a there's probably a few players who are kind of not quite in position and um, still celebrating before they realise that the flag's gone up. Hmm. And yeah, I mean we we break quickly and I mean yeah they literally don't get another touch of the ball before it's before Charlie's bent yeah. into the top corner. Uh, it was the first time they the first time they'd given us any space around the penalty area. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. just a concentration thing. They've they've let their guard down for a split second and ultimately that is the difference um in games like this where I mean if they were, if they were playing a Sheffield Wednesday or a Rotherham, they'd have absolutely got away with that. Yeah. But you're playing against one of the best sides in the league, um, which I mean, we're actually comfortable saying that now, aren't we? Which is what? Yeah, how, fun, weird, how, fun, how fun's that? Um, <laughs> and and yeah, at the end of the day, you you expect players of his quality to be able to put the ball where he put it, and yeah, he, he he's done exactly that. And yeah, great, great to um, finally break the deadlock, having um, having threatened a lot in the first half. And I think ultimately, once we got that first one, I think we were we would then be supremely confident that we would then go and add to that and and maybe go on and win win by a, another sizable margin. Before you round yeah. up on the Plymouth talk, I did just want to say that um, Charlie Alcraz was obviously named man of the match inside the stadium, but I, and Charlie's great, obviously, but um, I felt that that was a, a real injustice to Taylor Howard-Bellis, who had one of the, the best centre-back performances I've seen in the Championship for a long time. I think he defended the box brilliantly, and obviously it's a simple spotted ball for over to Jay Adams, but the execution's fantastic. So again, uh, keep, keeping hold of him in the summer, um, that's that's the biggest prize for promotion, in my opinion. Do you think they'll try and do something in the um, in the January transfer window to try and make that permanent I don't think they will I don't think they'll be able to 
I don't think they'll be able to. Um, but I no. imagine that those sort of things with the clauses, they have to be the, you know, the loan has to run for a year, and Man City probably aren't going to sanction that because he could be worth quite a bit of money if things don't go up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think throw every throw a load of money at him, make him captain. I know we've got seven captains already. Well, he'll be a future captain, <laughs> won't he? Without doubt, he'll, be, he'll be a future captain, whether it's this club or somewhere else. Without yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah. Just on, um, I noticed that the VAR debate in the Championship has been ignited again. Um, I think because this game was live on Sky. Plymouth fans on Twitter are wanting it, but then they've, they've never had it before. Careful what you wish for, lads. No one should want it in the Football League. But do you think we, as one of the bigger clubs, do you think we're, <laughs> do you think we're like the, the, the Man United of the Championship? Do you think we get more decisions in our favour as a result? I mean, I, I counted them up a while ago and I, I made it kind of three each. Ones that we'd had, ones that you know, we, sh- we sh- probably would have got Mm. With VAR, I mean, to me, thirty-two thousand in St Mary's or thirty thousand or whatever—it it doesn't feel like the most intimidating place to referee. But does I mean, does anyone think that we we do get more in our favour this year? I think I think teams. I think ultimately the teams that spend more time in the opposition penalty area are on balance going to get more decisions in attacking areas. I think that's just, yeah. that's kind of natural. The ones where you don't necessarily expect them are the ones like last night where it's in our defensive area. And as a result, it's it's kind of a little bit more down to a little bit of luck of the draw. But yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, the the, the sort of old adage of th- these things even themselves out over the season, I mean, that's utter nonsense. And then anybody, <laughs> who, continu- anybody who continues to trot this... Shot this absolute nonsense out, just uh, getting the bit. I've been it's, known to. It, it's it is absolute garbage. I mean, you just look look back at any any of our seasons in the top flight, and you could probably pick out games where we've been completely conned. And yet, there are very few where you you think, "Oh Christ, we got we got lucky with that refereeing decision um, mm. today, didn't we?" But now we're at the top of the league. We're getting we're getting those calls going our favour. So there's definitely something to be said for. Teams at the teams at the right end of the league certainly getting more than their fair share. Yeah, yeah. Finally, on um, on Plymouth, it's um, it, it's kind of hit the news that uh, Russell Martin uh, made waves by not wanting to meet a, a certain diminutive uh, Saints fan. As uh, as Alfie is six foot four, I have to ask you, Steve. Was it you? <laughs> oh, it wasn't me. I'm. F- I'm, I mean, I'm five foot ten. I mean, I got a good, I got a good three inches. Um, the average there. Height, height on the uh, on our uh, on our not particularly esteemed prime minister. Okay, um, fair enough. It was interest, interesting seeing um, seeing even Ed Chamberlain um, got a, there was a photo of of him in the back seat. So you know that there's that one with Letitia sat in the background mm. looking particularly yeah. unimpressed while um, Sunak sat there um, grinning his face off. Um, there's another one from a slightly different angle, which has got Ed Chamberlain sat about six or seven rows further back, um, and he looks equally unimpressed. So, um, so I think he's uh, yeah, the prime minister's getting ganged up, ganged up on now by all of our all of our other famous fans. The um, the picture that's got Malatissia in it has got a guy sat behind the prime minister. It's you, isn't it? Look, yeah, looks it's very much like yeah. me, but it's not <laughs> with your headphones it's on. A- no, I don't. I don't wear headphones at games, so it's another. It's a. It's a generic. Well, maybe maybe it was Ralph. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Oh, yeah, we yeah we we miss all the Ralph comparisons these days. Hmm. But uh, yeah, Russell Martin's a bit too young for me to uh, make an attempt to look like him. 
Anyway, moving on. So that's the three games. Like I say, we've won the lot. I think this is the, the certainly the first episode of TSP where we've been uh, mm. we've been talking about three wins. Three wins. Yeah, good point. So now we move on to the next uh, the next game, which is a, a preview of Norwich City on New Year's Day, and we are joined by Connor Southwell from the the Pinkin to help preview the Norwich game coming up on New Year's Day. Uh, I think you're the first repeat guest that we've had on as well, which is good. So thanks for um, thanks for not blacklisting us and coming back. So uh, Connor, from the outside, Norwich City. It's been a very up and down season. Started well. Thought you looked very good at St Mary's in, a, in an attacking sense. Anyway, it's kind of fallen away since. I seem to remember that when when I spoke to you last time, or when we spoke to you last time, I thought you looked a decent side on paper. I like the sort of like experience running through the side, and you yourself weren't so sure mm. at that point. So. Basically, how, how has it been this season? No, well, well, first and foremost, thanks for having me back on. I think I'm one away from a hat-trick ball now, so that's uh, that's that's nice. Um, <laughs> how's it been? I mean, how long have you got, really? We, we could sit here for an hour uh, with, with me dissecting all of it. But yeah, it's... Um, it's not been great. I think that's 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 probably what, what I would say. I think um, Norwich and probably David Wagner more more widely are very streaky, and uh, I think you've kind of seen that within their results. They started really well, and and the mood after that sort of opening eight games or so was really positive. And I think it was okay. Yeah, this might work, and all of those experienced signings might add all of the elements that Norwich City have, have been missing. Then they had a terrible autumn where they 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 won two and eleven or, or, or one in ten. Um, there were four straight defeats within that, um, and David Wagner seemed to be really on the on the brink really of, of of losing his job. And then the last sort of ten games or so, they had one defeat in eight, which kind of rescued him a little bit and stabilised their season, pushed them to within two points of the the top six. And then it's it's been a really poor festive period where they've been beaten by by West Brom and Millwall and, and deserve to lose both games. So um, and it's worth adding sort of over that eight game period I think I think they beat QPR Huddersfield Sheffield Wednesday Bristol City who were at that stage right at the start of the kind of Liam Manning experiment and 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 Cardiff before the international break where, where they didn't perform very well but had a really good kind of 10 minute spell so the performances haven't really altered they, they haven't been playing very well now for a significant period of time probably really since August and and that run at the start of the campaign so yeah it's um it's been difficult it's been a difficult season and uh, I think a lot of supporters and, and and probably Monday's game feels quite important for, for David Wagner because I think if Norwich produced the level of performance that we've seen, particularly over the last two games, but probably over longer than that, then then I think fans are going to be very quick to to vent their frustration at him and uh, at the powers that be for for keeping him in post. What's the sort of general feeling towards sort of David Wagner at the moment? Uh, uh, you know, is there a a Wagner out hashtag kicking around at the moment or is or are you know are people not quite there yet in general yeah I, I think Wagner out was trending last night for, <laughs> for for quite a period of time so yeah I look I, I think uh and and it, you can never speak for all fans but the feeling I get from the majority of supporters is is that they they want a change and I, I think they wanted a change sort of towards the end of that really bad run in the autumn where Norwich were, weren't producing performances and uh, and results were really poor as well. And and uh, they had kind of back-to-back defeats against Sunderland. He, he looked absolutely broken after that game, to be honest with you. And I think sort of from in, in the job that I do and speaking to him afterwards, I think there was a feeling of, oh, yeah, this this feels like it's probably it. And it wasn't. 
uh, and then they lost to to Blackburn three-one uh, at home, and and that was a, a terrible day, really. And and that definitely felt like it was it, and it wasn't. Uh, and then the the Cardiff game came, and and again he's he's kind of been aided a little bit because Norwich have had a change in sporting director, so Stuart Weber, who was at the club for seven years, um, has left, and he's been replaced by Ben Napper, who was loans manager at Arsenal. But they had this kind of weird handover period where Weber was still in the role and Napper wasn't quite in the role, and that kind of spanned this autumn period. And because of fans' frustrations. Uh, towards Wagner, sort of namely, they accelerated Napa's arrival and, and, and Weber's departure. And, and since really his arrival, he's kind of been talking about the need for an assessment period. But that assessment period has coincided with a, a run of one defeat in eight. So I, I don't think fans' views of, are, yeah. on him have been shifted that much by the run of form that we saw, because as I said, the performances haven't haven't really changed. They've just been playing teams who are who are struggling rather than um, maybe teams who are slightly better. And you look at their record, they're, they're win- they haven't beaten any side in the top six this season. And um, yeah, they're, they're struggling for, for consistency. And I think there there is kind of a debate at the moment. Is this squad just bang average? Or is there is this a coach not being able to get enough out of this group of players? And without changing the head coach, I don't think you, you can ever really find the answer to that. But it, it does feel like a, a group of Norwich City players that should be a lot closer to the, the top six than they are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume the expectations at the start of the season were to, you know, playoffs at least and, you know, make a run at the top two if if possible. Is this your second season in the Championship or third? Second, yeah, yeah. Second. Yeah. So are there still, I mean, so it's next year's the desperate one, isn't it? That's the um, that's the end of the parachute payments if it, well, if yeah, it doesn't it's, happen. It's, so so, th- so this, is, this is the final year because Norwich, obviously, if you go... Um, Oh yeah, go up then straight the down. You only effect. get two years. So Norwich yeah. are yeah in their in their final year. So there is kind of a financial imperative to it, um, which adds to it, I guess. But but you're right. I think for to have kind of two years of, of parachute payments, and uh, last year they finished thirteenth, so in the bottom half essentially. And this year, I mean, they're they're, they're sat thirteenth again at, at this moment in time, five points from the top six, and have very mid table numbers in terms of their results. So to not be in around the top six for two for a season and a half essentially. With parachute payments, which most the majority of clubs at this level don't have, I mean, it's it's a failure, isn't it? There's there's no real other way to dress it up. Yeah. Okay. On the pitch, when we played at St Mary's, Jonathan Rowe caused us all sorts of problems last time. From what I remember, he was sort of largely excellent in the early part of the season, scored a lot of goals. Has that continued, or has he sort of tailed off a bit, been injured, whatever? Anyone else particularly from an attacking sense to um, to look out for? I know, have you still got Ashley Barnes? Is he still there? He is still there, yes. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's still there and, uh, and kicking, which is good, in both senses of the word. Yeah, John Rowe is, is, is the main one, really. Interestingly, he didn't start uh, on, on Friday against Millwall because David Wagner has felt that he's not quite been at the level that maybe he needs to be. He, he had a bit of a heel injury and he's come back from that. And even though he's scored goals, scored one against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, obviously a double against Ipswich, which has uh, made him uh, even more popular than perhaps he was already. His performances haven't been perhaps where they were. It's not been that great in possession. I mean, at Portman Road, he only had 15 touches of of the ball. and um, But yeah, to drop him completely felt a little bit... Um, Drastic. I think that's fair to say. That's bizarre. Yeah, Ruben yeah. Stellar's level management. Now. Yeah. He's only scoring goals, got 10 or 11 this season. He's, he's going to go to the Premier League for 20 million in the summer, regardless of what happens. Correct. To drop him because he hasn't been great in possession. It's bizarre. Correct. And and also to to drop him in favour of Onel Hernandez, who uh, hasn't scored a goal all season and hasn't scored mm. at Carrow Road for four years. And, and, and Christian Fashnacht, who's really faded after a bright start as well. And 
it, it, yeah, and, and that kind of maybe sums up where where Norwich are and why Norwich fans are so frustrated by David yeah. Wagner at mm. the moment. And it, it wasn't it, that wasn't the only change. I mean, he made a few changes. I think he made five changes on Friday, really, and also dropped Shane Duffy, who who has been in a pretty decent run of form, um, although not maybe had the best season, but wasn't in the matchday squad. Kenny McLean, who's been playing mm. for centre back kind of pushed into midfield so he changed both of the center backs all of the front four it was um yeah a really really peculiar kind of desperate times yes mm-hmm. really it sounds like a desperate situation desperate man just throwing things at the wall and hoping mm-hmm. some of it sticks yeah but, uh, from a Saints perspective though the two all draw with Ipswich was was massive for us obviously because I think it sort of started there what could be a, a lengthy decline I think they haven't won a game since have they and Saints have sort of made up seven or eight points on them so that was a great result from our point of view yeah you're welcome absolutely <laughs> I'm not sure how it happened but I'm glad it did <laughs> well I mean I mean if, if if Ipswich on the on the run of form that they've been on in the last what year and a bit um, can't beat Norwich when Norwich are Kind of in this in this sort of slump that they're that they've been on. Um, when are they ever going to beat them? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Fifteen years since they've beaten you now. That, that's right. Yeah, for, which is mad. For, Fourteen years, and uh, I know that their their sort of supporters have made a big play about Norwich fans overly celebrating the draw, but it's not really about the draw. It's about preserving the record. And like you say, it was it was the record. It was the fact that. I think a lot of uh, people associated with Norwich probably went in that game thinking that they were going to get absolutely battered and that that, that record was going to go. And it's mm. been a really dismal year. And the fact it wasn't and it didn't, I think um, it's quite funny more than, more, than, more than anything else. Yeah, I, th- I think I think everyone gets petty when it comes to um, yeah. to local rivals. I mean, we never play ours. So it's... <laughs> um, so it's... <laughs> it's... it's uh, no, I think it's perfectly excusable to be uh, to be petty about that. Steve, it was a slightly mental 4-4 draw last time. We are obviously a better side now than we were then. Do you think you know we sh- we should win this or is this a, a very much a, t- a tough game where a, a point would be decent? Um I think it's one where on paper and I'm sure the bookies odds will reflect this on on paper we should win. Um we're we're I mean, particularly we're a better defensive side now. What is it? We've conceded ten, I think, in the last fifteen games now. Maybe, maybe, maybe even more games than that. Whereas we'd conceded what twenty in our first nine. So <laughs> it's yeah, the the improvement at the back has has been stark. And going forward, we're we're scoring the same amount, if not more. So um, yeah, I think we're we're in we're in good shape, but. I think you you always kind of fancy that Nor- that Norwich away is a ground where we've not had a great record historically. Um, there's been some kind of trademark wins, so the that insane five, well that that five that five four one uh, back mm. in ninety back in ninety four ninety five. Oh, more time that. Um, yeah, before, way before your time, Al. <laughs> um, and I was speaking to lockdown the first game of um, yeah, when first, first, first game back. back first game back in yeah. in lockdown when when we won three 0 But again, mm. that was that was a Norwich side that was in the middle of a what was it fourteen fourteen defeats on the bounce or something absolutely mental. So I yeah I kind of don't really read too much into that into that one but yeah generally when when we've gone when we've gone to Carroll Road as equals we've found it hard we don't we don't win there often um, so I wouldn't be completely disappointed with the draw I think we've as you say we've we've made up ground on uh, made up loads of ground on Ipswich we've made up yeah. a little bit of ground on Leicester over the period so we've done we've done some good work here and actually a point isn't isn't the worst thing possible. I th- but I think 
I mean, the, the team will definitely be going there thinking we can win this. Yeah. And you've then got that situation where where a manager is under pressure. Um, if you're an away team that turns up and you crank up the crank up the pressure even mm. more, all of a sudden the players will start doing something stupid. Um, there will be misplaced passes. You'll get players feeling the pressure and you make mistakes. And that's that's kind of the the ideal scenario for us is that we do do something good early on, get get into the lead, force um, force the atmosphere at Carrow Road to to go downwards. And then you're you've kind of got the got the control of the game, and you've got kind of got Norwich exactly where you want them. It's just it's then hopefully a case of seeing it through, and you you kind of once you've once you've got your your foot on their foot on their throats, you just keep pressing. That's that's the, that's the theory. Um, whether having had, I mean, obviously every, everybody's in the same boat, but having had these loader games in a short space of time, whether we've got the energy to do it for another 90 minutes. I think Reston, uh, Stewie and uh, Rebo will be in Saints' favour in that regard. They'll better bring in yeah. basically a completely fresh midfield, um, which, which should help. Yeah, that was going to be my question to you, Alfie. Do you see yeah, that's, like that's very true. Rebo, Downs, Stuart Armstrong? I know Downs well, there's a question mark over Downs, right? So, yeah, so, I mean, we, we don't know if um, Lynn Downs is going to be available yet. It's a third different illness um, this year, but it's what, it's a, it's a third or fourth game it? that he's missed for illness. That is a bit um, of a concern, it must be said. Yeah, it's a little bit of a concern. I think so. He, uh, Russell Martin hasn't ruled him out. He said that he might well be available, but he said that he's not going to take any risks um, with it. So that to me was a, a sort of a subtle Russell Martin sized warning that he's not going to be available. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. He wasn't going to play against Warsaw anyway, so he would have had sort of 10, 11 days off from playing at that point. Um, and he's going to be seeing a nutritionist about it. But, you know, he ate, he ate um, <laughs> raw chicken liver at the start of the season. I think that's um, it's a mental thing to do. I think that has not served him well, um, as Russell Martin said. But it has been two different illnesses. So he missed Watford through flu, which a lot of the squad had. He was the worst affected. Um, and this one is a sort of digestive illness again as well. So it's not the same thing, um, but it's a bit of a concern for sure. Yeah, to you, Connor. We avoided this question last time. But you, of course, have one of our former players. It's a dangerous question for me to be asking. So how is Angus Gunn doing these days? Fantastically well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, been, he's been brilliant this season, actually. And, and um, certainly Millwall on, on Friday night made at least two, three, maybe even saves that, that, that prevented the, the scoreline being significantly worse than it has been. And, and actually, there, there was a spell... Um, that kind of coincided with Norwich's really poor run in the autumn, where he was injured, and they had to they had to play George Long, their their, their deputy, and the drop in quality was was sizable, really. Basically, any anyone that shot from from anywhere, it was it was um, finding itself in in, in the net. So that that wasn't um, particularly favourable, but yeah, he's, he's he's been excellent, developing into a really good goalkeeper. He's become a bit more rounded at Norwich. I think uh, a criticism I always had of him is he wasn't that commanding, never really kind of took crosses particularly yeah. well. There's been signs certainly in, in the last few months or so that he, he's a bit more willing to do that, and uh, a bit, whether that's because he's now kind of a bit more comfortable in his own skin as as Norwich's first choice, I don't know. There was obviously for a long time here a real battle with Tim Krul that he kind of saw off, which I think was was massively important. And then obviously they they moved Tim Krul on in in the summer, and that was a massive kind of show of confidence in him. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think he's he's, he's uh, one of the best goalkeepers in, in this division at, at this moment in time. Certainly in terms of of shot stopping, um, and actually I think 
if Norwich don't get up this season, which is looking highly unlikely, he's he's going to have a year left on his uh, contract in, in in the summer. Uh, and I'd be shocked if there wasn't Premier League interest because he's obviously now internationally recognised, particularly if he can go and have a really good um, Euros. I, I know his, his time with Southampton was, was pretty checkered and there was obviously the 9-0 the defeat, but... Yeah. I think he deserves a lot of uh, a lot of praise for how he's kind of responded to that in his own personal career, and yeah. um, he's shown a lot of resilience. And I think at Norwich, he's found a place where he's very comfortable to kind of rebuild himself. And um, I think he now looks, in my view, a lot more confident and a lot more assured than he than he did when he came back to Norwich permanently a couple of summers ago. Yeah, I'm a, I'm actually pleased because in the I mean he yeah he was in goal for the as you said the the nine nil defeat against Leicester. And that would that would kill many people, especially goalkeepers. And he was, I think we forget how young he was at the time. I think I think he was only 21 or something at the time. And uh, so it's good that he's moved. Is he first choice for Scotland now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Excellent. Excellent. I must start. say, um, I played in goal. I lost more than nine a couple of occasions. Didn't get, I'm still here. So. <laughs> okay. Um, we... Don't let people go without doing the um, without doing the prediction game. So um, Steve has uh, hedged between us winning and a draw. So Steve, what what do you reckon? Call us to the mast. Yeah, I, I think yeah. If we get get an early goal, I think we we win it probably fairly comfortably. It's just yeah, how we start the game is is key. We're yeah, we're a better side than we than we were in August, and quite frankly, I think Norwich are a weaker side than they were in August. So yeah, two 0 win. Good stuff, Alfie. Yeah, I think just looking at the last three um, Norwich results, they've all been to nil. So I'm going to go for a clean sheet as well and go back to the one nil for Saints, obviously. Okay. I hate how many times I end up agreeing with Steve and we're both crap and we're both bottom of the <laughs> prediction table that we do. So I don't know how. So yeah, I'm going to go for a, a, a two nil win as well. I'd, for the same reasons, I think Norwich are in a difficult spot at the moment and uh, and we are obviously flying. And, and whilst we all know that's going to end um, one day, I um, I. I don't see it ending oh, yeah. in this particular game, given the players that we can bring back into the side um, and the extra energy we'll have. So, uh, yeah, tune it win for us as well. So, Connor, feel free to hmm. tell, us all to shut, tell us all mm-hmm. to shut up and um, predict a Norwich 3-0 win if that's what you want to do. <laughs> I'd, uh, I've, I've, uh, I'd have to be on something, I think, to predict that. I was, <laughs> was going to agree with you and Steve until you said you were bottom of the predictions league or whatever it is. Or whatever it was. Yeah, we're terrible, no, mate. I mean, I mean, to be fair, Russell, Russell Martin brought his Swansea side to uh, Norwich the tail end of last season and uh, they were comfortable 3-0 winners that day and, and basically played Norwich off the park. Um, very different because Norwich were in a, a dismal run of form, a bit of an end of era, lots of players leaving. They're not much better now, to be fair, but uh, I, I think I think Southampton and, and, and Russell Martin, that's steeped in narrative as, as it is with, with him coming back, but the, the type of side that Southampton are technical, want loads of the ball, um, they tend to be the teams that Norwich City struggle against from, from a defensive perspective, but also... Um, they are relatively okay in terms of transition. So I think they will pose some kind of threat. That being said, I, I, I just don't like like you guys have painted, really. I think if Southampton get the first goal, it's um, it's going to be very, very difficult for Norwich because of the crowd and, and, and because of the way I think it could go. So I'm, I'm going to go for a 3-1 Southampton win, I think. Oh, yeah, are fun. you likely to... I mean, we struggle against teams that, like Plymouth, who set up 5-4-1, basically, against us. I mean, yeah, it's an away game, so you've got more license to do that. Are Norwich likely to do that in a home game? Uh, yes, it, it, it won't be. It won't be a back 
free, I wouldn't think. Famous last words, but he, he's not he's not really played a back free. He did for the second half of uh, the Boxing Day defeat to West Brom, but they were down to 10 men. Uh, he, he likes to play a 4-4-2 as a general rule of thumb. So I, I think it will be kind of two blocks of four, quite rigid. And then they'll they'll look to try and, uh, and play on transition. So yeah, I, I think it will be quite similar, but uh, Norwich, uh, I'm trying to be diplomatic, aren't the best defensively. So uh, when they try and defend, there, there are gaps and, and, and stuff to expose. So um, that shouldn't be an issue as, as long as uh, Southampton are, are creative enough and, and move the ball quickly enough, which from what I've seen, they definitely will do. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, Connor, for coming on. Um, maybe we'll see you next season. Maybe we won't. Maybe you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> depends. Yeah, so thanks very much for coming back on. And uh, after New Year's Day, good luck for the uh, for the rest of the season. Thanks yeah. very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. One final game to preview before next week, which we'll do briefly, is the uh, FA Cup game against Walsall. little quiz for you. Last time we played them was promotion day. May 2011 in League One, and we won 3-1 with goals from Steve. Who got the goals? Uh, it wasn't me. No. Um, Gooley. Correct. Uh, David Connolly. Yeah, you've looked this up, haven't you? No, I haven't. It's got to be now. Um, oh, third one. Um, What's an acceptable amount of time to put off my answer now before they realise? Oh, um... I don't know, I'll someone give, like uh, Hoyvelt? Give you a clue. No, it, was his, can't, can't it, was, it can't be, it was Tuesday. It was his last ever game for us. Oh, Christ. Academy um, graduate. Last, yeah. Oh, Oxford. Last ever, yeah. Correct, before he moved on to a career as a professional substitute for the next 12 years. But uh, yeah, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. David Connolly. What was the chant for David Connolly? He didn't like it. Do you remember that? Oh, back, oh the back from the dead one. Yeah, he didn't. He's back from the dead. He didn't like that one. Yeah, can't think why. <laughs> Perennially in, injured player. Yeah, just dreadful. So anyway, that was a great day. A great atmosphere. It won't be um, quite the same atmosphere on uh, FA Cup third round day, I'm sure. Uh, Walsall have got to the third round by beating two non-league sides, Sheppey United, four-one of the Isthmian League South East Division, which is level eight. In the second round, they beat Alfreton Town 1-0 after a replay. And they're from National League North, which is level six. They currently sit 13th in uh, in League Two. Alfie, you've already kind of hinted at it. Are you expecting huge team changes, you know, with the likes of Sam Amo, Tyler Dibbling, yeah. maybe Joe Lumley getting a game? Yeah, so you know, Russell Mine obviously said about Flynn Downs that the plan was for him to never play against Walsall, and I would assume that there'll be quite a few in that regard. I was actually hoping it'd be Africa Town that we'd face, but um, Walsall was yeah. fine. And I do actually like the FA Cup third round. I must admit, I remember last year the Coventry game wasn't the best game in the world, but um, Willie Caballero, well, maybe that was two seasons ago now, um, Willie Caballero uh, was big on the day. And I think it's quite nice to play different teams. There will hopefully be a chance for someone like Tyler Dibblin. Um, I spoke to Tyler a couple of weeks ago now, and I think he was like, he'd already earmarked that one in the diary for a chance to sort of show Russell Mine what he's about. So maybe the, he'd already been told by the manager that would be when his chance would come. Sam is the same. We've had a couple of games now where we've been you know, three, four goals ahead and we haven't seen them come off the bench when maybe they could have done. Yeah. So I imagine Tyler, Sam will start. Someone like Seku Mara will start the game as well, for sure. Um, and then, like I say, be Shea Charles. I imagine Jack Stevens will start. Joe Lumley could get a first game. I'd like to see Joe Lumley come in rather than Alex McCarthy. I know they're both on a contract year until the end of the season, so maybe they both leave. It doesn't really matter, but I just feel like we've seen Alex McCarthy in a sink shirt enough times for us all to, to move on from that. So I'd like to see Lumley yeah. get a chance. Yeah, there, there should be rotation, really, shouldn't there? I mean, you, you should be able to make six or seven changes and still win the game. 
Um, but I do think it is important to win the game. I know it's only the FA Cup and the, the important one is obviously the league. But like we saw last season, losing to Grimsby um, under Ruben Sellers, it was just, it's demoralising, it's embarrassing um, and you, you can't really afford to do it. So I think you, you do have to still go into it trying to win the game. But it'd be nice to see a couple of young lads get a chance. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in seeing us obviously get through this round and then I would I would like to play one of the sort of bottom half mm. Premier League sides to see Chris where we Bauer. are, but yeah. it's probably not going to not going to happen. So that was my question to you, Steve, really. Do you, do you think if we get through this round that we will take this competition seriously or do you think we'll tank it at some stage and just sort of concentrate on the league? I think we'll take it vaguely. We'll take it as seriously as the level of opposition dictates, I think. Um, so I think, as you say, against Walsall, mid-table in League Two, yeah, you, you would expect that more or less any... Um, combination of first team players that we have in a proper formation that knows the system that 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 we're playing um, should be able to um, do the business against against Walsall. Get through to the next round, then I mean, if you if you get another lower league draw, then you can play. You can do the same again, and it it kind of works in terms of getting fringe players useful minutes. At, yeah. At a competitive level, yeah, because it's different to Gillingham lot. as well, isn't it? Because like everybody who's in the yeah. squad now is here on the bus, whereas Gillingham it was a load of players who didn't want to be here and couldn't wait yeah. to leave. So that was why it looked like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, if if you're able to use the cup games to keep the fringe players fresh and I mean interested is probably the wrong word. So I think everybody's kind of engaged with with what we're doing now. Um, but certainly at the start of the season, that as you say, that was that was an issue. Um, but yeah, you you keep the fringe players um, match sharp, then all of a sudden, I mean, we're, we're obviously already seeing a hell of a lot of impact from those subs, but maybe that impact is is even greater. Um, mm. And you potentially ask questions of whether whether they should be getting um, starts in in league games and more important games. So yeah, I think I think there are there are huge benefits to a cup run, not just I mean not just the prestige of going far in the competition. There's a bit of finance there. I mean, not not big beer, but given that there's potential sort of financial fair play question marks being raised yeah. surrounding the existence or otherwise of any sort of budget for, for January, I think getting games won and and getting some extra cash in the into the bank account is, is not to be sniffed at, quite frankly. Uh, good stuff. Okay. Prediction time. I'll go first with this one. Yeah, I think we'll play the fringe players and we'll struggle a bit, just a little bit of cohesion. Um, I could maybe even see us going behind and then winning it off the bench with the, with the, the strong bench we will no doubt have. So I'll go for a, a 2-1 win in this one. Steve? No, I, th- I think we'll we'll just crush them. A lot of youth <laughs> youth, youth, and, youth and enthusiasm and they'll they'll just run Warsaw ragged, I think. Um, I've seen Warsaw in, in League Two this season. Um, Sutton, who were bottom of the league for all of the season until last week, um, beat them 4-0. So that oh, wow. kind of show, shows what okay. um, what Warsaw are <laughs> capable of. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going for a replica. I'm going for 4-0. Alf? Yeah, I do actually agree with you, um, Glenn. I do think there'll be a little bit of cohesion, a little bit um, sort of to work on. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. Okay. Good stuff. January obviously brings the opening of the transfer window and the um, silly season has has started already. Um, We seem to have been linked exclusively with wingers. I've seen David Brooks, Ahmad Diallo. Um, It 
doesn't seem a priority position to me. So, Alfie, have you got any sort of opinion on where that's come from? Any truth in that? Well, I think most people I've spoken to would say, no, this isn't the club, fans, I mean, would say that it probably is the the priority position because they don't need any defenders. Although I suppose you could maybe argue a fullback if James Bree's injury is bad. They don't need a goalkeeper. They don't really need a midfielder. They've got a lot of competition in there. Um, mm. We were talking about Smallbow and Alcaraz, you know, some of them not starting week in, week out. And obviously the, the big question mark is a striker, right? But they're only going to buy a striker if Chair Adams goes. Um, and Russell Martin, at least openly to us, he keeps saying that he wants to keep Chairlands here um, until the end of the season. If Che is sold, you know, they will sell him if they get a decent offer, right? Because he's going in six months. Then they will use that money to replace him. Otherwise, I think Phil Parsons has sort of alluded to it, um, the club CEO, in the match programme a couple of days ago. He basically said that they're not going to be gambling the future of the club. Same message they said in the summer. Um, they're not yeah. going to be spending silly money on players. And I think what that means is, because of financial fair play, that they can't do that. So I've seen links to people like Matthias Sula um, for 30 million quid. He plays in Italy. You know, Maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, I apologise, but that's not going to happen. They're not going to be spending that kind of money on anybody um, without a big player leaving. So I don't think it's going to be a ridiculously busy window. Um, I think that maybe a loan for someone like David Brooks makes complete sense. Maybe there's no smoke without a fire there. Glenn. Maybe that's why. Maybe because it would make total sense. And you bring in a Nathan Teller replacement, which we had promised in August that never happened. And we know that on deadline day, they were looking to sign Patrick Roberts. So they clearly feel that there is a spot for a winger in that squad. So maybe that's what they'll do. Yeah, outgoings. I um I was intrigued watching the warm up on um yesterday, and watching Alex McCarthy pinging in corners. Um, he he now seems to you know for the for Bazunas to catch during the warm up, and I'm I'm thinking are we paying that guy X thousand pounds a week to be a corner taker in warm ups? Do you think there's any? Has he just got six months on his contract? Yeah, I believe so. Or has he got has he got longer? So. There's not really much um, likelihood of uh, getting him out the door in January. Probably not. And also, you do want free goalkeepers, don't you? Really, as a general rule, I think Dean Fortin probably wants that amount to work with. And um, I don't expect anybody to leave apart from Mason Holgate. Um, I, I do think that he probably will go. It makes total sense. The way that the club have spoken about it, so honestly, Russell Martin and sort of addressed that it could happen to me makes me think that it will happen. Because why would you talk about it otherwise? Um, there's been loads of noise about that, hasn't there? So I imagine Mason yeah. will leave. The club probably won't replace him. Um, if they do, it'd be somebody cheap or unknown. Um, I, I would like to think there won't be too many outgoings because if there is, it means somebody's bid 25 million for Carwell Peters and they feel they can't turn it down and we don't want that to yeah. happen. Finally, um, as it's the last pod of the year, um, got interesting tweet came in to the, um, the Total Science pod um, Twitter account today from a guy called Sean Stroud who... Um, he sounds like he was being a bit bit of a masochist and uh, he listened to the first pod of uh, 2023, <laughs> which is TSP <laughs> 20, uh, 216. Uh, which was the Nottingham Forest home game where, despite being managed by one of the best managers in Europe, we um, we smashed the ball up into the floodlights for 90 minutes and uh, and lost 1-0. Uh, we've gone from that to a year later, 17-match unbeaten run. So this is an impossible one for you, Steve. Can, can you give us a sort of like a quick summary of the, the, the differences sort of like in the club as a whole between then and now? I mean, it feels well. Actually, it's it's strange because actually, um, the fans are the fans were united back then. The fans are united now. So actually, think have have things really changed at all? <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously, the I mean, the style of play is just laughably different. The fact that everything was being launched into the floodlights yeah. at the earliest opportunity in that uh, in that forest game, which was, I mean, I still maintain that we. 
I think we both said at the time, didn't we, Glenn, that 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 performance that performance alone was a sacking offence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's just. I mean, it does kind of upset me that Nathan Jones is technically still a Southampton FC employee while we're being quite good. So yeah. I'd quite like him to take a job. Um, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's trying to take well, credit yeah, for no, it somewhere. Um, absolutely, no doubt whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the just the difference in tempo, the the fact that the players seem like a they know what they're doing, and b they seem to be enjoying it. That's and, the key one. I think. And at the end of the day, while like we all have jobs to do, we we enjoy and we don't enjoy them to varying extents at, at varying times. But I think as long as you're sort of happy in your in your role, then your performance is always going to be a little bit better. Whereas if you're sort of down the dumps, your manager's being a being a bit of a pain in the background and and this sort of thing. And the same extends to football players. They're not. I mean, yes, they're paid absolutely astronomical amounts of money compared to compared to Joe Public, but the the kind of dyna- the sort of work dynamics are still the same. And the the working environment that you're in is a key factor in in your performance. And some players are able to put it to one side; most aren't. And that's kind of where we are in that we're now in, we weren't in a working environment that was conducive to anybody being any good because you had useless managing, management, both at first team level and at board level, quite frankly. It seems as if those, the, the people that, that were particularly involved at board level have shuffled off into the background somewhat, hopefully. I mean, that remains to be seen next month, of course, but the, the working environment seems to be wholly positive at the moment. There's, you're not hearing any leaks of any of any disturbances, any issues with with people. Um, whereas, literally every day during the Nathan Jones stuff, there during the Nathan Jones era, there was a story. There was something coming out of either someone's not happy, or there's been um, there's been this sort of argument, or someone's someone's been left out and and they've taken it badly, and and all, all this sort of stuff. We're seeing none of that now, and yeah, that is because ship. At the, at the end, of the, yeah, at the end of the day, players players are enjoying being where they are at the moment, and uh, frankly, long may it continue. I think the yeah. the club have worked hard since we went to that um, tactical meeting earlier in the month. Um, the club, have, I think, have done really well and pushed hard to sort of show those behind the scenes clips. And yes, I know it's only a, a ten second video, but you do actually see the the manager interacting with players, interacting with players off the training pitch, in you know in the dressing room stuff like that, and you see that there is a genuine connection there. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I think supporters are now just being made aware of it and um, it's really big. And you, you talk about the leaks, Steve. The club worked really hard over the summer because those leaks carried on. Um, you know, All summer we had sort of um, people not being on the bus for friendlies, people being injured for three months, stuff like that, um, coming out of the club when they didn't want it to. And they worked really hard over the summer to sort of identify where that was coming from and, and stop it. So the atmosphere was 10 times better. Well, possibly. Uh, but the atmosphere is so much better. I mean, we said it when um, back in the summer, but even from pre-season, just going into Staplewood is a million times different now. It's it's totally different. Yeah, everyone's smiling. Say hello to everybody. Um, the players do the same. The, you know, it's just the atmosphere is a lot better. I think it's so much more conducive to working environment, like you said. And it's, it's just, I think it's a really good job, actually, in the first sort of five months. And it's not just Russell Martin. So many people involved. Yeah. And on that note, that's all for this week's episode. Thanks again to Pisser Self Drive for sponsoring this episode. They offer cars, vans, trucks and minibuses for flexible short-term or long-term rentals with a 24-hour drop-off service. They're offering TSP listeners a 10% discount off your rental with the code TOTALSAINTS, which is all one word. You can use the code when booking online or just quote the code if you're booking over the phone. To find out more or get in touch, head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk 
or call 02380-474-443. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on all social media platforms. It's at Total Saints Pod. Each of our TSP tiers comes with its own perks, including weekly shout-outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali or Mick Channon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, Nikki Nicholson, Southampton NY, and Drew Dyer in the Francis Benali tier, and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hingston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup, Matt Hall and Mark Littlewood in our Mick Channon tier. Thanks to Steve and Alfie. It's been a bit of a marathon effort. Thanks for putting up with me. That's it for TSP this year. We'll be back on the 7th of January with TSP 258. Uh, Thank you for watching and listening and have a fantastic new year and we'll see you all in 2024. That wasn't too bad, was it? Nicely done. Thank God that's over. (laughs) (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.